Welcome to Nexus Podcast, Aims for the Stars. I'm Ames and we're here today with Vanitas. Let's find out who's in the band and who we've got here today. Hello, so my name is Jade, uh, I go by Jade Maris and I am vocalist. My name is Mitch and I am one of the two guitarists in Vanitas. We also have, not with us today, but in the band we have Elijah Storer who is the other guitarist. We have John Willingham who is the bassist and Jackson Can, our drummer. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to meet you today, guys. Thank you for being with us today. Okay, so I'm going to ask you from the start, what is the story behind your stage name? So the name kind of, just to immediately get out of that, I am a massive nerd. <laughs> it is just what I do. And uh, when we were writing our previous EP, we didn't have any idea what sort of name we were going to go under at the time. And there was this one song that was, in my mind, heavily inspired by this game series called Kingdom Hearts. And the ending of the song has a bit of a callback to the start of the album. So I was kind of like, ah, oh, it's kind of like the opposite side of that song. Ah, oh, I'm playing Kingdom Hearts at the moment. There's this character called Vanitas that is the opposite side of the main character. I'll just call it Vanitas for a bit until we just decided a better name. And everyone thought it was a sick band name. <laughs> so we just jumped on it. So it was originally a song name, but then we liked it so much that it became our band name. So because of that, we do have a self-titled song, Vanitas. So you've got Vanitas on the EP Vanitas by the band Vanitas. <laughs> yeah. But we, we like the name, so we thought, hey, why not? Triple V. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the name. It sounds very mysterious. I like it. Um, how would you describe your music? So um, the tagline we like to go with on social media and things is cinematic gent. And where that comes from is, you know, we're all lovers of sort of the modern metal scene, um, progressive metal particularly, and that sort of genty sound. So bands like Periphery, Monuments, Devon Townsend, Bay of Mayor, a bit of Opeth and things like that mixed in there. Um, but the, the twist we, I guess, try and put on, on that style of music is we add lots of orchestra and we take a lot of inspiration. Like Mitch said, we're all big nerds in the band. We take inspiration from soundtracks of video games, uh, particularly like JRPG, so Japanese, Final Fantasy. Japanese role-playing games and things like Final Fantasy. Kingdom Hearts, etc. Um, so you put that all together, and we like to call it cinematic gents. So like modern progressive metal with orchestral elements. Yeah, it's 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 cheeky. It's Square Enix metal. That's what I want to call it. Square. Yeah. We had someone call us Disney metal once, which I loved. The song Carry On that got called Disney. Metal yeah, we had um, we had one review, and the guy said it's periphery meets Disney, which I, I really liked that description. Yeah. That was that that made my day. <laughs> Definitely. And it's like when people get the names right and that's how they feel, they kind of take track with that name then, don't they? And like you said, there's, there's a massive um, there's a massive set of people out there now who are enjoying that fantasy metal and putting it in the games and you can hear it come through. And there's so many people getting opportunities now to get on that game and scene. But if you're expecting it in a game and it comes on or something to that manner that you were hoping for, I, you know, it, it's perfect, isn't it? I can hear that in what you're doing yourself. That everything's moving yeah. at all times. You have a lot of <laughs> fantasy time, mysterious times within your music. It's yeah. Perfect. I've had people uh, like 
message me about certain games coming out being like, oh, this sounds like something you'd write. And I'm like, that's the idea. The latest Sonic game that was. People kept messaging me being like, all of this soundtrack sounds like Veritas. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> that's it. it means you've got your finger on the button if that's what you're after, isn't it? And that's the genre you're looking for. Um, what is your background? What brought you all together? Well, we, me and Mitch met through uni. Um, cause we went to the same university, but prior to that, um, so we, we was all originally in a band called Verb the Noun, I know, great band name, and that was our sort of uni band that we started up. Um, Jackson and Elijah, so our drummer and other guitarists, wasn't with us just yet, but me, Mitch and John, our bassist, were all together, um, and Mitch was looking for a singer at the time, we'd just started uni, um, so we went to a uni called uh, ACM in Birmingham, the Academy of Contemporary Music, and so cheekily, at the time I was like learning teaching and how to be a vocal tutor, which is why I now do professionally. <clears throat> so he, he asked me, he was like, hey, you're a vocal teacher or you're, you know, you're, you're learning to be. Um, this is back when I was like 18. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, can you, can you give me a singing lesson? So I gave him a free singing lesson to try and, you know, get, get my skills, build my skills up at the time. And uh, he was actually secretly sussing me out to see uh, how good I would be as a singer in the band. So following that singing lesson, he then asked if I would audition and I was like, sure, why not? And the rest of history, we, you know, we was verb the noun for a good, what, two years? Two years, I think, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we all grew up a bit, graduated from uni, and we thought, you know, we're writing these new songs that don't quite fit under this name anymore. We've matured. We know what we're doing a bit more. Let's rebrand. And uh, Jenny Chas was born. Yeah. Uh, we met Jackson. We met at our first gig. And there's, there's, like, some cute photos of him being at, like, our EP launch, looking, like, excited as possible in the crowd. And, like, every time I, I, I get reminders of that through, like, Facebook, I'm like... That's cute, just because when I asked him, he was the happiest guy ever when I asked him to join. And then Elijah, I knew him through uh, a previous band's guitarist. He was the guitarist in a pre in my, one of my previous band's guitarists' other bands. Yeah, the music industry is very small, <laughs> especially in Birmingham. Um, but Elijah used to be in a band called Aramantis that did quite well a few years back. Um, and we're all sort of interconnected with different members of different bands and we sort of friends with them, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so he originally was depping for us for a bit, filling in, um, and we just got on with him so well that he joined. Um, we actually had a have a documentary on our YouTube channel that we made about how the band formed and about the kind of origins of our first EP. So if you want a big, in-depth version of that backstory, um, you can check it out on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I think the, 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 the small too long didn't read of it is I knew he liked progressive metal and I saw him post about Kingdom Hearts, the game series that our name came <laughs> from. And I was like, I'm going to try asking him to join. Why not? And it worked. It worked out. You can see the bond between you all is, um, it's really good together. You can see that while you're working, you can hear everybody has their space and time. And when you're actually on the video, that I was watching, yeah, you could just see the bond between you all. You, you're all very with each other. You understand what you're after. I can see that. We've sort of grown up together, so we're all yeah. very close. I mean, it, I mean, me and Mitch, are, obviously, we, we live together and we're dating as well. Um, that happened after the band part, but obviously that <laughs> that helps a little bit with yeah. the, being close as a band. I mean, living together does make 
doing certain band things easier because I can just go into the other room and say, hey, Mitch, I have an idea. And it's as simple as that, really. You get some advantage from that. You could just yeah, have sure. whole time together as well. And it's not always about the band. It's about something that you can share. It is nice. And yeah. you see a lot of couples together who some are in bands together or they're in separate bands, but like to have a little collab. And you see that yeah. a lot. It's nice to see couples helping each other out and pushing each other up the ladder. But it's great that you two are already together from a long time ago and know each other through. That's a nice story to have together. Couples who gent together stay together. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did um, you get influenced by music in your earlier years? Where, where did all that come from, wanting to be in a band? I have a bit of a... I'm going to let Jade start, because like, mine's a bit messy and chaotic. Jade's is much more clean-cut than <laughs> she got into music, I think really? so. Yeah. Um, see, I don't come from a musical family at all, really. And on top of that, I don't really come from a family that is into metal or alternative rock music at all, really. Uh, I mean, my my mum was definitely a fan of sort of like um, more popular mainstream rock, rock bands like Foo Fighters, etc. But I guess my first introduction to metal was uh, an ex-boyfriend that my mum had who was really into, you know, all sorts like Iron Maiden, Metallica, more classic stuff, but then also things like Tool and the more proggy side of things um, and got me listening to all of that. And I distinctly remember my mom had this like really thick iPod classic and she had all these songs on there and I would steal it out of her handbag before I went to bed and I'd just like listen to Metallica or Tool or whatever. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from kind of like classic female rock singers like Joan Jett, the likes of that. Um, but definitely as I've grown up, especially as I've kind of gone to uni and studied music a bit more, um, I've, I've, got, I've, gone, I've gone all in on the progressive metal, modern metal sort of style. Um, I'm... I'm a massive fan of Spencer Satello from Periphery, uh, Lauren Babic, who's like a YouTube singer who's really, really popular. She's in a band called Red Hand Nile, and they're big inspirations of mine. Um, all sorts of people, really. But, you know, I'm not strictly a metalhead as well. I, I listen to quite a, uh, a big range of music. I used to do musical theatre. I've been in choirs. I do like my pop music, R&B. You know, a lot of my vocal students that I teach are more R&B based as well. So... Um, I listen to a lot of stuff, but definitely metal, rock and metal is my, my home and my, my first love for sure. So for me, I've now found out my mom was a massive metal fan. I never used to know this. <laughs> she was just like, ah, uh, I don't, I, what a phrase it. She, she just was like, ah, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be into metal and have kids for some reason. Love my mom. Strange decision <laughs> for her. Strange decision. She had all of her vinyl stolen in like, the 70s and was like that's it i'll just give up on metal <laughs> a little bit so i ended up finding out my mom was a secret metalhead when we started doing band stuff but didn't really have too much interest in music i had a drum kit for like a week when i was like 14 played it a few times and then didn't got massively into prog like dream theater especially when i was in high school yeah like good old mike portnoy shattered fortress a little 50th birthday set thing he did of all the dream theater material and then just through like loving dream theater and periphery that kind of got me interested in music and then through periphery they as a band they do a lot of self-recording and that got me into the idea of doing music tech so i was like all right this is really cool that these guys are like self-recording and making music i want i want to get into recorded music 
And then when I was doing like a level three music tech course, I was like, I'll practice drums again because they're a hard instrument to record. So that'll be good. And then I got mad into drums. Got all right. I went to uni for drums and stuff because guitar is like a second love. But then I was like, oh, well, I've learned drums now to the point where I could probably play on stuff. Why don't I learn guitar? Because then I can write songs all by myself. And then it just sort of spiralled and spiralled. Yeah, so just to confuse you more, he's actually a drummer first, but he's the guitarist in this band. Yeah, and like... The main songwriter as well. Jade mentions people like Spencer Zatello and Lauren Babic. For me, it's all like... I love John Petrucci from Dream Theater, don't get me wrong, but... Mark Holcomb, Pliny, and Brian May are probably like my top three. Oh yeah, he's a big queen. Three people. Big queen, queen, queen are like too. mental. Queen. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, one of Brian May's like signature guitar models, and it's like, other than the headless brand I always play, Strandberg, it is like my second favorite guitar. It's got to be done if you can get hold of one. <laughs> I just got a little bit jealous there, as you see. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they're an amazing band, especially but they have so much different like waves in which they go. They're not all don't stick themselves in the same place, do they? They have a little go at different things. It inspires you when you're younger to see people like that. So how did you get inspired or start to sing and write or play music yourself? So for me, um I've always enjoyed singing but like, casually, but I guess I really started properly studying and practicing it. Uh, back in school, um, when I was 13, 14, I had, I had a lot of family drama and stuff going on, so I would literally, like, stay in the practice room at school until the cleaner came in and kicked me out and just sing all day, every day. Um, my school, my secondary school had a... Actually, this is a pretty cool story. Uh, my secondary school had a, um, like, a rock school club after school where we, they formed a little band... Um, and at the time, I also did guitar lessons. I mean, singing has always been my first love, but I did try and learn. I'm not the best guitarist, but I enjoyed it. Um, and my guitarist, uh, my guitar teacher was a guy called Richard Shaw, who was uh, previously in Cradle of Filth. But at the time, this was before he was in Cradle of Filth, and he, he's from the same hometown as me. So he ran this after-school club, um, and he sort of helped my first little little shitty school band, you know, learn our first songs. And uh, we did some, like, school Christmas shows and things, and it was really fun. Um, and, yeah, and then actually during that time period was when he did the audition and got into Cradle of Filth, and then he, that, he like, sort of left that job, obviously, to go be a rock star and tour the world, which is really cool. But then, um, so I went through all the school, had a, had a few, like, school bands, practice singing, you know, studied it further at, you know, sixth form, um, and then I got to a point where I was trying to decide where to go to uni and I actually reached out to Richard Shaw again and was like, hey, any suggestions? And he, he used to lecture at ACM, so he suggested ACM to me. Um, and I knew that I was, I was I'm from Nottingham and Derby, but I was in like a small town. So I was kind of bored of a small town and I wanted to go somewhere where there was a music scene. I thought, well, London's too far and expensive for me. Birmingham, second biggest city, home of heavy metal, what's not to love? So I moved to Birmingham started my degree, met these guys. And um, yeah, through the years, I've definitely gotten better at singing to the point where I now you know, teach it professionally and I love teaching singing. Um, and, but, you know, I've still got a lot to learn as well. You know, learning's never done. And I'm, you know, one thing I'm starting at the moment is I'm learning how to do harsh vocals and screaming a lot more. And yeah, I just, I just love to keep progressing and growing my skills. Yeah. 
for me, it was kind of a case of, so obviously I got into the whole music tech thing and that's kind of what was my entryway point. And when I got into the whole songwriting, playing guitar stuff, it was mostly because all the guitarists I'd kind of, all the bands and guitarists I'd aspire to like want to play like also had the whole self-recording thing. Like Periphery, they started off as a solo project for the guitarist called Bulb, and it was just him posting what would then become their songs on random forums back in the noughties. Just he'd record them in his bedroom and then just upload them to all these forums called like sevenstring.org and stuff like that. Same with the other guitarist I mentioned, Pliny. That's all they did. And it's kind of like, I was like, oh, I did, I could do that. And like the first, before I even did band stuff, I was posting little like, 30, 45 second clips on SoundCloud <laughs> just for my own like, oh, it's cute. I am, I am like Misha Manso. I'm posting clips of my music on the interwebs. It's great to see that you've both though, like enjoyed music and you've grown through it and you're still finding, like you said, you're still learning. A lot of people think you learn it and then that's it. That's, you've got it. And there's always something else to learn. There's always something to progress on. Right? It's lovely to hear that you've used music to grow up with and now you're still doing that and you've got your inspiration that you're still pushing through um it's nice that you find the time as well and push that through um what how do you get all your obligations and your time put together amongst other things i mean it's definitely a struggle for sure because uh, i mean I, I work full time as well as doing band stuff um but it's i guess it's just the love for it and the passion really drives it yeah, and it's it's good to have boundaries and just sort of set aside priorities so you know you can't do everything all at once and a big yeah. part of it is also delegating between the band members that we all have a little our own little jobs to do um but it's definitely getting the more i learn the easier it's getting and each release we you know learn a little bit more um, one thing that's definitely been a massive help to us in recent times is we've recently got management um from a wonderful man who goes by Canty from Dark North Media. And he is also a videographer and he's actually the guy that recorded the event and music video. Um, and that's how we met him. We just got on really, really well with him and sort of reached out to him after the video shoot, just saying, hey, you know, would, how would you feel about helping us with promotion for this single? And he actually came back and said, you know what, I, I, I'd like to manage you. So we had, had a little meeting, discussed some things and it was just a perfect fit. And um, that's really helped drive us the last few yeah. as well. He, he's very much like, you're close to burnout. Everyone else, we've got to work something out here. Like, he's helped a lot with figuring mm. out how much we should prioritize that, like, sort of work life balance with the band almost. For sure. He's helped out a lot with figuring that out and also pushed us a little bit. Yeah. It was like, we print our own shirts now. And that was entirely his idea. Yeah. Um, and he sort of gave us some advice on how to do that. And, well, I'm assuming it's gone well because we, we had a gig on Friday and sold quite a lot of them. So, um, I'm sort of excited to have that freedom to just have an idea for a shirt and be able to print it ourselves rather than, you know, having to wait for somebody else. We can we can do it ourselves now. That's it. It helps with your promotion um, when people have got them. You know, there's a sense of pride for yourself, but the listeners, the people who are the fans, they have the sense of pride when they can get an actual shirt from the band they love. So it's great, like you say, to be doing that yourself and sharing that out. Um, for a lot of people... It's hard to get them if you've got American people who are in that bands and you're trying to get them over to Britain and the same vice versa. It could be yeah. difficult. 
Um, but once you get them, yeah, you see the pride in those parties there. The T-shirt can be a lot to a lot of people and it might just be merch, as they put it, but it's it, it's that sense of belonging that you're part of you and you're part of them and then it gets shared out, especially across social media. Um, how do you describe your creative processes when you've been coming up with all these ideas and having time to come up with your music as well as making sure you've got the promotion in order and obviously you do a lot of shows and, you know, you take time to do other things with people. Where do you get all that creativeness from? I think um, we definitely all have different specialties. Um, so for me, obviously, I, I write all the lyrics and vocals myself. And for me, how that works is Mitch sends me a demo and I sit at my computer, come into my mic for a couple of hours until something sticks. I always start melody first, lyrics later. Um, with my lyrics, I tend to have a theme that I know I want to write about depending on my mood or what's going on or um, something was discussed in the band. So I'll start with a theme and I'll write a few words related to that theme and I'll try and see what I can fit into the melody I've already written. And uh, it sort of builds from there, really. For me, it's a little chaotic. There's two different ways I write. Either I am just having a little play around and something comes out, or there's this program I use called Guitar Pro, which allows you to just write sheet music and hear it back in real time. And I use that a lot to write stuff, because like it's either when I write something, it's either I can play it or I definitely can't play it, but I think it's feasible that I can figure out how to play it. Because yeah. all of our demos, I don't actually record any guitars for demos. I do digital mock-ups through, through a MIDI just so I can go, all right, maybe I can't play this riff right now, but I can work out how to play it, so it's going there. And I think that's a, it's a creative thing for me in the sense that I don't want to be held back by my abilities. I, I don't want to go, oh, I can't, play a, I can't play a riff, so I'm not going to do it. Like... The best example of that is in our song Aventum, before the second chorus, there is this riff that kind of goes all over the place. Uh, Very Jason Richardson. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like it just, it's stupid. I could not play that, even at like a half speed, I think, when I wrote that. I just, I wrote it as a piano part and then was like, yo, this would be sick as a guitar part, you know? And then was like, oh, I'll figure out how to play it later. And that was horrible. The I mean, second part of it as well. <laughs> there's a there's a second half of that riff where it goes like it, it like is the same riff but it's slightly broken up with some gaps. And that part only exists because in that guitar pro program I use, I copy and pasted it wrong. <laughs> I missed out the very first note of the riff, and it was like, wait a sec. Even I that sounds it. sick. I'm <laughs> jumping on that. And I just took out little gaps and everything and like yeah, it's a bit of a, a chaotic process, but I like that. It always works out in the end, and I also think like we, we, we're prone to that a lot where we'll write things we can't necessarily perfectly perform or play to begin with, and it always pushes us to improve our instruments because yeah. we'll have like, to, like, we've written it now, we have to learn it. I do that with vocals a lot where like I'll sing some big, big chorus idea, but I'll sing it softly in my head voice, and then it's like, okay, you've got to belt this. You've got to scream this, and then I'll learn how to. Yeah, do it. We, we've got some. We've got. We're working on some stuff right now that is is hard for me to do, but I'm like, I'll get. I'll, I'll figure it out. I was, 
I used to be a bit nervous about it, and then ever since I learned how to play, that one riff I was just about an event, I'm like, that's it, I can challenge any. <laughs> I did have to slow down the song very slightly, because it was a bit too silly. <laughs> slightly. Yeah, like 5 BPM, so it wasn't that bad, but I had, I just had to, because I was like, that's it's a little bit too fast. <laughs> but everybody's creative process is different. Everybody goes about their, their way of seeing things differently, and... It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's maybe it's the way you need to go to make that song. Um, a lot of people I've spoken to, like you just said, sometimes it can be not necessarily a mistake, but a whoops, and you heard something in that whoops that just was perfect. And there's a few drops of that that I've heard while interviewing, and it's it's nice that the band had that behind them to say, yeah, let's go with it because I can hear that too. So the fact that you're giving time to help each other, like you said, there might not be perfection in the first moment, but you hear things as you keep singing it, you'll add things, and it'll get more comfortable. But you were oh, just yeah. talking uh, on that. Oh, sorry. Go on. Uh, all right, go on. So yeah, plus for me as well, drumming has helped my writing a lot. So again, to go on about Aventum, the, the breakdown pattern of that, that's that's based off like a drum thing I did at university, and then I just kind of reworked it into a guitar riff, just the basic pattern. It's supposed to be like a thing you cannot head bob to, head bang to at all. Some really weird thing that we were just given because it was strange, and it was supposed to be like a technical exercise. But I was like, oh, what if I just turned this into cool guitar riff? Oh, inspiration in a lot of different ways. Well, that's great that you can take that from there and still remember that that rift worked for you in some manner and you knew it had to just be there. So you're identifying from the past something you needed to use in the future. So it's worked for you there, hasn't it? You were talking a little bit about Ventum. And we'll go now and we'll take a listen. Um, and we'll come back and we'll have a little chat about it, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, let's hit it.
Okay, so we've just been listening to Aventum. Um, let's ask the band, what's the meaning behind your new single? So Aventum, oh, it's tricky one, really. Um, it's about sort of talking to your younger self, your past self, and, you know, getting through a hard time and you know, telling you that you see that the future's going to be better and, and getting through that. Um, and it's got a lot of layers to it. You know, I, I like this. it's got like a soft acoustic intro and that's kind of, um, the I'll keep you safe is like me talking to my younger self that, you know, I'm going to keep you safe. We're going to get through it. And then obviously you've got like the heavy breakdown, which is sort of the anger behind it. Um, and I think the course is kind of hopeful and uplifting of, can you see, you know, um, you know, a glimpse of hope is going to get better in the future. That That's sort of the message behind the song. Yeah. And a little tidbit about it. Aventum is, vaguely latin for happening and the demo name was the happening just because i was like oh it's such a little event a little happening that's going on when the first chorus hits in because of the big dynamic shift it's like a or kind of <laughs> so i was like reventum's a funny name for it. let's go it sounds cool we have interesting naming systems. <laughs> yeah, all yeah, all of our songs have just got silly names, but secretly silly, like that. Because to yeah. me, that's it's a very cool, serious name. But in my head, I'm like, ah, it's it's born from a terrible. Yeah, the story behind it's silly. <laughs> well, I think it suited perfect. It's got that like that major feel about it, which it gets mm. big in the song. It gets powerful, so Aventum really goes well for it. I think. Yeah. I think you just there. Um, you were talking about the message there about it, um, you know, being part of your life and growing up. Um, does music actually help you in other areas of your life? Do you find that? Oh yeah, and I'm sure, like I'm sure most musicians musicians would agree that it's just really cathartic to sometimes verbally expressing your feelings. Uh, you you can't say exactly how you feel, but a song can really sum it up. So I think it's just good for like um, capturing chapters of your life or chapters in history or the world um and like sealing that in a song of that feeling at the time um and also just i mean my whole life's based around music it's not just the band it's my career it's something i want to continue to push is is my career as well um so like i mentioned before i'm a singing teacher and i, I teach um music at college um, and I'd like to sort of branch out more in the future and maybe even set up my own teaching school for music. Maybe, you know, Mitch has goals to set up his own studio. We, we really want to build a, a whole community and business around what we do. Just uh, the band, uh, a community of fans around the band, but also a community just in general for our our local area. And that's, that's kind of a long-term goal for us. Yeah, plus writing is just... Yeah, writing is just a cathartic thing. It's it's fun sometimes to just grab a guitar and just go, gent, gent, gent. <laughs> and that just kind of distracts you a little bit sometimes. Cause I, don't know, I remember there's been a few times where I've just been like, I'm sad, let's see what the silliest sound I can make using guitars is. <laughs> and just stuff like that. Like, just the other day, I was trying to make, like, 70s, like, laser sound effect style stuff from, like, Star Trek and all that like the phases and everything. I, I was just like, let's just do silly noises. 
Um, and that's it, basically, when people get time to, like, work together as yourselves. You've got one, like you're saying, you're going to want to open your own place for having a studio, which sounds like you definitely need one. And you're wanting to open a school for singing, but if that's something you're doing all the time and you're enjoying it, it's a great aspiration to have. Um, between the pair of you, you're definitely going to be able to set up the next artist, the next band that are trying to break through and trying to just get ideas because you're already set up yourself. So that sounds like a really good plan there. I think that's one of the reasons we work so well together is because I guess all the things that I'm pretty good at, Mitch isn't as good at, and all the things Mitch is pretty good at, I'm not so good at. So between, and it's the same with you, the members of band as well, between the five of us, we all fill each other's gaps, yeah. I guess. So it works. It works really well. Definitely, definitely see that. Um, while you've got time to get all your music done in the week, have you got time for any hobbies or things that you'd like to do where you take time out for yourself? Yeah, I mean, currently my big thing, and I'm just going to roll his eyes because he knows what I'm going to say, is I'm playing the new Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom. And, I mean, before this interview, it's all I've really done all day. I just uh, we had a really, really big emotional gig on Friday so I've just been trying to have the weekend to chill have a bit of a breather from band stuff and and play my play my Zelda and it's really helped me um I'm very social I go and see my friends and family a lot um I'm, I'm a big big on big extrovert big on parties and going out for food and going visiting places um but I like my gaming a little bit as well um I used to be really into art and drawing that's fell off a bit just because of lack of time um yeah i also I'm, I'm big into i like my movies and my tv shows and i get i get hooked onto something and i binge it um yeah i guess i'm very i like my games a lot games are big probably game. probably what i do 90 percent of the time to chill it isn't music otherwise i like <laughs> making these model kits and i'll try and grab them oh no because <laughs> it's, it's a moment i get to mention one all right i've got a spin an excuse an excuse to talk about gundam just realize this is probably gonna be pajama revealed somewhere oh, pajama no, buttons. Pajama reveal. But <laughs> I make I make model kits as a way to chill. And here is one for an example. I don't know that's that's very overexposed and it does not want to focus on it. Go on. <laughs> I'm gonna make it focus. It's perfect. Is it that yeah, that the blur thing doesn't like it very much. But they're called they're called Gundam models and I really it's just a thing I do to chill because it's because I do either games or music a lot of the time, and like a lot of the games I play have the music I really like and want to write it. It's a lot of the time where I'll be playing a game like the Sonic game that I mentioned ages ago. I'll play that and I'll be like, "This gives me writing ideas. I want to go and write." So it's nice to have something where I can just do something that's nothing music, right? Like I listen to a podcast while I make those. Oh, Trash Taste. Yeah, I listen to a podcast yeah. called uh, Trash Taste. We're both a lot. big fans of the Trash Taste podcast. It's uh, like three guys. It's meant to be an anime podcast. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest anime fan, but he is a massive anime fan. Yeah, that's another good thing. Um, I love watching anime. Like K-dramas. I, I, I had a I had, like, random phase in sixth form where I started learning Korean, and to help me learn Korean, I started watching K-dramas and K-pop and that. So I do like my K-dramas, but um, it's meant to be an anime podcast. But they kind of just chat about random stuff, and I just enjoy it. And we yeah, we like watch their videos together. They'll just complain about the trains for a day or something. So yeah, so we do. We do also like uh, like our podcasts as well. 
So you've got some intricate time to have time to, like you say, you're building. So that's time to focus and you've got creativity for yourself there. It's just like you said, it's taking that time out and remembering that you have a passion or you have things that are interesting. Like you said, you took time away from the music sometimes just to remember, you know, go and have a binge watch of something, go and have a, a paint or go and make yeah. something that you're interested in just to keep it alive. Um, it's always important to try and remember to have a little something for yourself. I always believe that. Um, do you have any weaknesses that you're trying to improve on? It's not always a question I like to ask, but it's definitely something that comes up with people where there's things they like to do or change or improve at the moment. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm big on the idea of you never have reached the ceiling. There's always things you can get better and improve upon. And for me, I mentioned earlier that I'm learning harsh vocals and screen, screen vocals, and that's something I'm really, really into at the moment. Um, I've been using um, a guy called, Dave, I'm, I'm sorry if I butcher his name, David Benitez, who runs um, Extreme Vocal Institute, and he has like this online course that I've brought and it's it's literally it's it's the whole reason why I've been able to like the section on event and where I scream it's, it's all because I've been following extreme vocal suit. I couldn't especially as a vocal tutor myself um I like most vocal techniques I'm more than comfortable teaching so it's it's really nice because I find that there's a lot of vocal teachers or vocalists on YouTube teaching vocals and there's a lot of amazing free resources but there's also a lot of not great free resources so I guess that having the knowledge I have helps me filter um, and I can definitely safely say that like Extreme Vocal Institute is incredible um, and that's really helped me with my screaming vocals. I've been getting there with my false chord screams, I'm really trying to work on fry screams but I find that a bit more difficult um, just to expand my options for writing really with the band and for what I can record and perform really um, and it's something that I'm hoping if I can get really good at it and then in the future I can hopefully teach it as well because there is, I know that there's a lot of lot of people that want to learn and there's not a lot of it's not easy to find the resources for it so I'd love to sort of help bring make a make some resources for it too in the future when I get more get, get more better that's good English it's more better. Uh, get get a, get better at it myself for me it's uh there's this whole a thing I really like doing on guitar is what we call tapping arpeggios that like you use both your hands and then you jump on, you jump across a string onto the string above two strings above. And it's a thing I love the sound of, but it's very hard to do a lot easily and consistently. And there's this whole other technique, which I can basically do the exact same thing for, which I haven't done before called sweet picking, which I've been trying to learn how to do because realistically I can get the same sound way easier it's just learning a new technique that's like i've been trying to work on it's just that is it's such a you need to really sit there and just do it kind of thing it's, don't you uh, also want to learn uh thumping you were telling me the other day yeah i'm trying to find someone to teach me how to do thumping i there's this band called animals as leaders and they do a lot of eight string guitar stuff and that's something we may be adventuring into yeah, we might be going into our newer songs are eight string songs so i think mitch wants to learn something yeah, to help with those newer releases that we're working on i want to just it's a style of guitar that sounds really cool and i think eight strings really suit because i think it's originally a bass technique yeah created by a guy called victor wooten Little little guitar nerdery for you there, but uh, yeah, it's like, all right. I want to do that because it sounds cool, 
and eight strings. Gotta gotta be the eight string guy who turns up and thumps the the toasted abassi one to one of them. <laughs> but no, it's great that like you're not seeing it as a weakness that you have, but it's something that you can improve on or something mm. that's new that you would like to have integrated into your band and into your music for yourself. So like you say, it's it's just progression, it's getting to learn something new and then putting it into practice. But obviously for yourself as teaching, you, you're obviously going to want to push that harsher. Um, and then also if anybody in your band wants to start going there, you've got that expertise to help everybody. So no matter what you're all bringing or that you're working towards to, it's it's definitely a plus for everybody. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question now, which is more something for you to have a little bit more fun and a little bit more personal. Okay, so a curse is placed on you and you can only listen to the same song for the rest of your life. What song would it be and why? Oh, God. That's such a tough question. I'll I'll give two answers, one of my own and just a song in general. (laughs) Uh, For one of our own, I'd probably say Ghostly Coast. Because that is, I wrote it, and yeah, we've got other releases coming up, but in my head, I can never top that song. It is just everything I want a song to be in one. But other than that, outside of our own stuff, it's quite hard because I'd want a song, if it's just one song forever, I'd want a song that goes through quite a lot. I don't want to have like a two minute song that's all. Boots and cats and boots and cats and you know, because <laughs> I think I think I'd get driven mad eventually by that. But I'd probably it's not the most metal thing, but only because I can't think of an easier example that's more metal. But I'd probably say uh, Octavarium by Dream Theater, or as a cop out answer because it's split up a cr- split up into different songs. On the album, but it's meant to be one song, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence by Dream Theater. It's supposed to be a 52-minute song, but on the album, they split it into all the different sections because that probably would have been a bad idea to have a 52-minute song out. Prog band be like, 52-minute <laughs> song, let's go. I guess I'm going to take a slightly different approach to Mitch. I'm going to pick, like, one nostalgic answer for me and then one, like, recent song. Um, so in terms of nostalgic answer, I distinctly have a memory of, I used to be like, well, I say used to be, I still am quite a big Incubus fan. Um, and I really like kind of the, the science album was a game changer for me. Again, that was introduced to me by the, the, the mum's ex-boyfriend I mentioned earlier. Um, and I just distinctly remember having like a two hour drive to Manchester with my mum when I was like 11, 12 or something or other. Um, and I just looped Nebula off the science album for two hours straight. I just looped it, looped it, looped it. And I don't know why, just nothing, like I just didn't get sick of it and I loved it. Um, so that would be my nostalgic answer because I guess if I could loop it that much, then I guess I, I would happily be cursed by it. Um, and in terms of, a, I say recent, a recent song I've discovered that I really like um, is Outliers by Aviation. I think it's like an 11 minute song. But again, like Mitch said, I think it's a good one to pick because there's so many different elements to it. There's really soft, pretty you know, guitar moments. There's like ambient sections, there's heavy breakdowns, there's like big emotional choruses, like all the things I love in my own sort of music um, that I take inspiration from. So it'd be hard to get bored of it. 
Well, it didn't sound quite like a curse what you both asked for. I think they both sound like decent songs. Like I'm sure you couldn't get sick of that. That could go on forever in your mind. <laughs> but no, everything that you spoke about when it comes to picking a song, it, it does, it has to last in your mind. You have to be happy to wake up to that song and go asleep to that song. That would, it's got to carry on. Well, yeah. going from that, if you had to make a tour lineup, how would you go on that? Who would be in your tour buses? Are we are we being biased and putting us on the lineups that we can do a really fun tour, or are we are we just talking yeah. about a so tour we want around yourself? Okay, if you want to. For me, I think if I was to sit here and go, all right, what bands would I love to tour with? Uh, Dream Theater, definitely, because that would be dream come true material. Uh, Periphery, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so there was just like a random scream outside our window. Yeah, like a Banshee-level scream yeah. for the kids. <laughs> I don't know what that uh, was. Uh, sorry, carry So on. Dream Theatre, definitely, because that... Just just goals, honestly. I love those guys so much. Periphery, definitely. Pliny would be quite nice. Mm-hmm. But also possibly in flames, because okay. I, prog metal inspires us a lot. For me, I really love like the Swedish death metal stuff, like Maladeth, like In Flames, Scar, Sim, Dissect. Even though Dissection is kind of black metal, but uh, like that sort of stuff, I, I love. But uh, Dream Theater Periphery. I don't know. Let, let's let's make magic a thing and say Queen. <laughs> Queen would pretty That'd much. That would be a very interesting lineup. Also, like that would be a very long show. Oh, yeah. Dream yeah. <laughs> Theatre play for like two hours half the Ex- well, We'd be it, at all when day. When we saw them, it was like three hours. Yeah, wasn't three it? hours set when we Yeah, and then like, like no, none of the songs were less than like 10 minutes as well. So. It's Dream Theatre way. Uh, well, yeah. If I had my way. It was actually, yeah, so to tangent briefly, we went to a Dream Theatre concert back in, it was February, it was right before we went to Amsterdam, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, back in February. And it was really like, it was obviously. Normally at a metal gig, it's sort of standing, there's mosh pits, it's headbanging, or like it's it's like like a pub venue. We went to Symphony Hall in Birmingham for Dream Theatre, so it was really it was really interesting to be at a metal gig, but it's seated and it's like this big grandiose building. It was really, really it was a really good show. It was a really interesting uh, experience, something I've not done before. Yeah, um, yeah. And just a, a Dream Theatre related side note about this band: <laughs> the amount of songs that have been like 10, 12 minutes, and we've had to cut them down. Just because we were like, okay, I'm being a bit too much of a Dream Theatre fanboy is ridiculous. Aventum was originally like a nine-minute song. I'm glad it ended up being five minutes. Not that I have anything against longer songs. I mean, I am also in prog band. I like my long songs, but sometimes... sometimes I go on tangents. Yeah, you go on some tangents. What would your Um, dream lineup be? Dream lineup. I mean, I'm going to copy you a little bit. In terms of... I mean, here's where my fucking, like, business mindset comes in. I'm like, oh, this would be really good for us as a band. And also, oh. to be fair, also, just dream goals. But um, I'd love to... Can, what? I, can I mention one more? What? Just because it's silly. Go on, man. The, the Sonic... The Sonic music people do lots of tours of just the sound of just the soundtracks. I'd like to be the opener band for that. <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to say, like, if Periphery was touring the UK and we could be there... Their main support that would be goals for me i mean i, I definitely think as uh the, the level of band we are at the moment i don't really 
I don't know if this is controversial or not. Someone can tell me if they're listening to the podcast, but I don't like being the headliner unless yeah. it's like a very specific. So like when we did our EP launch, we were the headliners because obviously it was our EP launch. But unless there's like a big thing at this stage, there's, I honestly feel like there's no point being the headliner because the goal at our, because we're quite a young new band, you know, the goal is growth. And it's much easier to have that growth if you're the main support because you basically you tour with a headliner band that you really love or that's really like the same style as you. Um, and you, so I guess, sort of poach their fans and they, they share fan bases and it, it works out really well. So I guess for me, like, Periphery is the headliner, main support. Um, and then, well, I guess, I guess Periphery and then, like, Monuments and then others we can, like, open, I guess. That would be... I've opened for Monuments before. I mean... Yeah, yeah, but it annoys me because we we did open for monuments, but it was back when we was verb the noun, Um, and I don't think we we capitalised on that as much as we could have done because we were we were like eighteen, nineteen at the time, like it was it was like our third yeah it was like our third ever gig, so we just didn't have the experience we have now. So to go back and do that now with what we know now would be amazing. Also. Actually, not whilst we're name dropping, we did also open for Voyager, who have now played Eurovision, which is mental to think. Uh, because again, it, I kick myself when I think about that because I absolutely adore Voyager. I love their music. And back when we, it was 2019 at the Flapper in Birmingham, we opened for them again whilst we were still under the verb, the noun name. Um, and I'd like heard of them, but I didn't know too many of their songs. And I remember like that concert was a magical experience. I watched that entire set like right at the front and I loved every song. And I went away and become a really, became a really big fan of them after playing with them, which sucks because I, I mean, I guess in one way it made me less nervous to play with them because I wasn't fully aware of them. Um, but afterwards I became a really big fan of them. So I'd love to play with them again, again, with the experience I know now and also now that I'm a much bigger fan. And I guess now if they played Eurovision, that would be a massive deal too. So either Periphery, Monuments, Voyager, they would be like big, big goals for me. So. That's it. And the people that you, like you said, you've already touched on, you've already been there and spoke to these people before, worked with them, you know, all those things are totally possible. Um, You have spoken already about a few of your goals. Do you Mm -hmm. have any ultimate career goal? I know you said you'd like your own studio and you'd like to teach music more. What what is the ultimate? I'd say the... The teaching studio stuff is definitely more of a personal goal, but I'd say for the there's so many goals for the band, um, I could go on forever. But for me, doing doing a sort of European tour or just doing like a, a, a U, well UK tour first, obviously start small and build up. Doing UK tour and then eventually doing like a European tour is as vanitas would be goals. Like ever since I was a ever since I was a little kid, I know it's a cliche, but ever since I was a little kid, I've dreamed about you know that rock star image of being on the road and a tour and a van and trust me i mean i've i've done i've done some uh, i've done the odd abroad show and i know it's not all rock star fun and games i know it's like sleeping in a van and sweaty venues and i i know it's not glitz and glamour but i don't mind i'm fine with that you know i've had my fair share of living out of suitcases and i think i'm built for it i think i'm i'm built for the touring life and i'd love to i love traveling as well not that I've done much of it because of money, but to combine my two loves of music and travel in a tour with my f- like best friends and partner, like I can't think of anything more amazing. 
So that's definitely a big, big goal of mine is a big tour, big, nice tour. I won't mimic Jade's tour thing because that's... What are you going to... I feel like that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I like. I'd love to, I, I would be so happy if we played, for example, Gothenburg in Sweden. You're a bit more of a homebody than me, though. So I think yeah. as much as you would love touring, it's not like not the, the be all all end all for you. For yeah. me, it is a little bit. But like, I'd love to go to Gothenburg in Sweden because, again, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Melodeth fan. And like that comes out in the Vanitas writing in subtle ways. But I think. If you know Melodeth, you can you can see it. I think, but like, I, I, it's like I have like music. I don't know what the word would be like. Just music sacred places. I'll say. So yeah, like Gothenburg, Oslo. I'd like to play Amsterdam. We, Amsterdam we went on a little nice. holiday in Amsterdam back in February, and we just really fell in love with it. We like had a great time there, so to go there and gig would be really fun. Yeah, but alongside that, just a tour, an undertour-related one, an ultimate career goal for me is to for the band to be self-sufficient. That, I think, is... I know it sounds like a really boring goal, but that is genuinely... Uh, yeah, that is but, that is definitely the goal. I don't mind pouring money into a passion project, but the idea that the passion project can fund, fund itself... itself. Yeah. It's so nice. I mean, we're realistic. We don't have, you know, we're not, we're not here thinking that our little niche prog band's going to ever like make us millions. But if we could, if we could live as full-time musicians, have the band be self-sufficient, and then use the teaching studio stuff we mentioned as our income, that would be gold. Yeah, like, we definitely have friends who are maybe like a, a couple years ahead of us, a decade ahead of us. That we, we, I can, I can see that in them and take a lot of inspiration from them. So it's like, well, they can do it, so we can do it. We just need a couple more years to get there. Yeah, and it's just like we print. I think I mentioned, I can't remember, but we print our own shirts, and that is because, well, it's we like being creative, firstly, but also it, it's another thing where it's like it's a way we can help make the band more self-sufficient. Yeah, I think, we, I mean, we've got business ideas out the wazoo, to be honest, but we're just a bit, we're still quite young um, and we just need a bit more time. I mean, I'm I'm 22, uh, Mitch is 24, oh, shit, I always forgot. <laughs> and, I'm uh, 24, I just wanted to... I mean, know. our oldest member's Elijah, who's 26, and then Jackson's 21, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so we got, we got we're, we're all like early 20s, still finding our feet. Um, Elijah sort of, will sort of happily thing. call himself an old man. He's not an old man. He keeps calling himself an old man, and he's not. He's like, well, <laughs> I, I am the dad of the band because I am twenty six, <laughs> and I can get a bus card now for plus twenty five. <laughs> and he was honestly, when it was coming up to his birthday, I was like, "What he are you happy about?" <laughs> he was depressed. He couldn't use like what was it, a rail card anymore? Because like the sixteen to twenty five rail yeah. card, like I'm not in the twenty five bracket anymore. It's like, but he was happy about his plus. <laughs> 25 plus pass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> can't have it all, but at least, like you said, he got his pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, it's it's definitely worth taking time out and thinking about what you'd like to do and where you'd like to go with your band. But they're not things that you can't do. You don't know what opportunities are where. You don't know who you're going to bump into. You don't know what paths come from different areas of where you go. So, like, you know, a lot of people do say, oh, I wish that happened. Yeah, I hope it happens. But there's definitely opportunity now, and the community of bands are working together so much more. You can get that opportunity to communicate over social media to get that chance. Where yeah. A long time ago, you, you just couldn't do that. So 
you know, your aspirations and your dreams in that manner for the band are, are definitely reachable for all of you. Hopefully. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think actually on that note, it's worth mentioning. So the big gig we hinted at earlier on Friday, uh, we've been part of Birmingham's Metal to the Masters this year and Friday was the final and it was an amazing show. We had a great time. We didn't win, but I am definitely still happy with the results because of the, we had an amazing crowd reaction there. And although we didn't win, um, like absolutely props to the winners, Nameless. Uh, they did so well. And I think we're definitely going to re-attempt next year. And that is definitely another one of our goals is to play Bloodstock. So whether it takes another year or another four, five, we'll, we'll give it our best shot yeah. to actually play, play Bloodstock. As Final well. goal as well. Get signed three dot records, Periphery's own record label. It would also be yeah. pretty or not even just that record label particularly, just get signed to a record label that we really resonate with would be a good long term yeah. goal, I think. I'm just picky with records. I know what you like. <laughs> but that is an ultimate goal for a lot of people, isn't it? Is to be signed, feel a security and know that your band has its own fledge, it has its own name and it's yours. And yeah. that always helps. Um, so what are your plans for the coming months? What what do we need to look out for? We've got, we got a lot on our plate at the moment. I mean, we're planning for the next couple of single releases. We've got uh, quite a few gigs coming up. Um, the first, well, the next gig being we're playing Remission Fest in Bridgewater at the Cobblestones yep. on the 8th of July. Um, and that's going to be our first time going down, down south for a gig. So really excited that that's by the beach. So we can have a little break on the beach meet all that it's like very prog oriented festival so it's gonna be nice to meet some of the bands like us make some friends so i'm really excited for that um later in summer we've got a few volume gigs dotted around in sort of august september time um we're gonna be filming more music videos shortly so really just prepping for those next releases and uh gigging and that's the sort of focus at the moment yeah, possibly a little Christmas thing as well. We've got in the works. I mean, that's that's a little bit further down the line. A little bit but... further, but you know, maybe, <laughs> may, may, maybe a Christmas thing will be out. Maybe, maybe. Well, well, going from that, we do have your debut single here, which is "Ghostly Coast." I'd like mm-hmm. to go and take a listen. So that you did mention it before, and like for the listeners, that's got a nice mysterious start in there, and then just like boom, <laughs> takes you away. It's. <laughs> It's definitely everything you've been explaining about where you want to go with your music. It does have that like power and persistence, but I'm not going to tell everybody. I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's listen to Ghostly Coast and we'll, we'll come back and we'll have a chat about it in a moment.
Okay, so we've just been listening to Finitas with Ghostly Coast. That's their debut single, bringing lots of flavour there to all of us. What can you tell us about Ghostly Coast? So I, I do think I was a little bit ballsy going with the seven-minute single as our first yeah. release. Uh, we released it February 2022, um, and that was sort of our announcement of rebrand as Vanitas uh, with that song. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll speak from a vocalist perspective since I'm the vocalist. Um, I wrote it at the time. I not my current job. I was in a different job, and you know, I just graduated. I thought I'd be doing all this cool music stuff, and I was instead like doing the nine to five. And I was struggling a bit with that. Um, so I kind of wrote in like a, an angry anti-capitalism song about how, you know, um, trying to break free from that and um, trying to like maintain my individuality despite the, the nine to five grind. So I guess it's a more edgy emo version of Dolly, Dolly Clarton's nine to five. No, it's not. But um, part of that is, it, one benefit of that is I was like, able to build a whole theme around it so if you've seen the music video, it's office theme, so we kind of really ran with that um, lyrical theme to make our music video and we sort of, um, our previous drummer Mark played this really big angry boss and I was like he was shouting at me and then we had a meeting and Mitch got fired and we tried to like put it all into this story in the music video um, and that was really fun um, and it's also a song I like to revisit because now that I'm in a better position, it's nice to look back and I don't get me wrong, I still relate to parts of the song at times, but it's really nice to see that the song grows with me and it has a different meaning in different stages of my life. And I hope it, it does the same for other people and has a bit of relatability and they can sort of find catharsis in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And from an instrumental point, it's summer, I, it very much is a very good summary of everything I think this band is. But alongside that, there is some like, there's some quirky little tidbits about it. Like, if I just give it a very quick breakdown of what the kind of inspirations are for each bit. Intro, I love Opeth so much. I didn't have an acoustic guitar at the time because that intro may have been an acoustic guitar part, but it's a piano, a really spooky-ass piano. That's very much me trying to go for, like, the Opeth Blackwater Park kind of vibe almost. I, I, I love Opeth. Uh, then all over the place you can tell there's a bit of, in my opinion, you can tell just a little bit of black metal influences from bands like Dissection, Emperor, Satyricon, stuff like that. Like there's a trem-picking section that's all chromatic, and that's silly. But overall, the inspiration for the song is this band called Haunted Shores. Now, you might be able to see where this is going. I've probably mentioned I have a silly habit with naming demos and stuff. So the demo name was Ghostly Coast. So because we thought it sounded quite similar, like, vibes to the band Haunted Shores, I thought, let's call it Ghostly Coast. That's funny. Yes. And we just never renamed the demo we never thought of. And we thought we kind of grew attached to it. So the lyrical theme has nothing to do with the name Ghostly Coast. It was just a... It, I don't know. It just it's stuck. a joke we've done before. Um, in our previous band, we had a, a song that wasn't directly inspired by Dream Theater, but had like a stupid section that was just a, a musical funny to us. So the entire song got called Nightmare Cinema, because mm -hmm. it's the in, like, almost an invert slash 
parallel to Dream Theater. We're trying then, to slowly like get better with naming our songs, but they always end up being. Something. Yeah, the next few songs don't have that thing going with it so far. But um, it's, it's because I was like Jane. I, I I need to stop being allowed to name songs. Yeah, I mean, we've we've sort of Mitch is on a ban. He's not allowed to yeah. name songs anymore. Um, one other fun fact about Ghost of the Coast is the artwork's this really pretty jellyfish um, from a guy called Barnaby Oakley, Crossfade Graphics, amazing no, artist. I think what now he is. Crossfade Productions, Cross Productions, sorry. Um, and I decided to get a little tattoo of the jellyfish in memory of it. I mean, I'm going to show you upside down. It'll probably it's blur probably it. It's going to focus. It's blurring it. Oh. One moment. Blur. I'll turn the blur off as I, awfully hot I should have done for my little Gundam earlier. But yeah, so I decided to get a jellyfish tattoo. For Ghost of the Coast. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, it's, it's just a good musical summary. Because again, my love of Melodeth that I've mentioned, the bridge section before the purely orchestral bit, to me that's very much like <laughs> a, you could hear that on an Inflames record kind of style riff. And then, of course, it's very Mark Holcomb-y, some of the, the riffs, like the... Oh, yeah, I get bullied for the... Yeah, and I get bullied for the chords in that song quite a lot. Like, everyone bullies me for those chords. The way the chords are stupid. They're silly chords. And Elijah hates you for making yeah. making you play them. Because <laughs> they're all, like, traditionally as a guitarist, if you're going to... They call it barring where you put your fit your finger across all of the strings at once. Normally you do that with your index finger, because that's your strongest finger, I'm like, no, I'm going to do it in my ring and my middle because that lets you do weirder shapes. And everyone hates me when they find out that. Understandably. Yeah, and finally, yeah, just the orchestral section's such a, like, a love letter to Final Fantasy. Mm. Especially, like, if anyone ever asks me, and they're like, oh, what, what Final Fantasy is there? Final Fantasy 7 and 15 are the biggest influences. Probably 16 soon, because that's just came out. and that, I. That's his new thing, he's playing. Yeah, I, I love it so much. Like, on a real note, we're probably going to finish this interview and go back to playing Zelda and Final Fantasy. That is what we've been, yeah. we've been doing all day. <laughs> well, that's what Sundays are for. That's what you're supposed to do. But no, regarding um, your single there, it's, like you say, how you've come about Ghostly Coast, it didn't have to have that seriousness of, of what you were trying to do, but mm. the push that you've got in that song the dynamics the way you're going with your own vocals there and the way the band's keeping up with you that's definitely very important to the rest of the song and it's very long but you saying before you know seven minutes it's a great time to get extra in and you've give us time with your voice we can listen to all the instruments a little bit individual we can hear you all together it's a nice extension between you all you know there's a lot of layer into it as well like the second slash blast beat, whatever you want to call it, section. There's like, if you pay really close attention, there's like a really buried, like mad piano thing going on in the background. And I think it's one of those things that, yeah, you don't notice it, but as soon as you notice it, it's forever there kind of thing. I think also I went a bit ham on the vocals when I did recording. Like, I think we had to cut it down eventually, but I think when Mitch was mixing it, it was like 175 vocal tracks. Something dumb, yeah. Because I decided to do a 60-part choir, but all myself. Something stupid yeah. like that in the chorus. So like, there's some, there's some, be- and they're very berry. You have to like really listen to them. Which again, like I put all this time working it, and it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to bury it. And I was like, oh no. So I've, I've kind of learned to refine my process and not get too excited when recording backing vocals with future releases. But obviously, Ghost of Coast was but the first. I one. fed you on that as well. Yeah, he helped yeah. me a lot. I, I love, love Queen, and Queen's whole thing is. 
going absolutely fucking balls to the wall with yeah. everything yeah, they do, especially recording wise. And I was like, I'll do that. Like I, uh, and then you have to mix it, and you're like, oh my god, how many tracks was Ghost of the Coast in total? Like 120. But like 20, wasn't that like? Oh, where did I get 175 from? No, there were no. 60 vocal tracks yeah. out of 150. Yeah, it was 120. I'm lying to you now. Oops. Tracks in general. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, a, a subtle <laughs> like recording Queen reference. I read that Brian May used all the possible sound options on his guitar for Bohemian Rhapsody. So, because Ghostly Coast is my like magnum opus in my head, I made sure to do the exact same thing with my guitar, which has like mods on it to get more of a Brian May sound. Like I'm per- I've purposely solo, modded it. Yeah, yeah. Like in the solo harmonies, there's this. I'm gonna go into audio nerdery for a brief moment. <laughs> Hopefully, no one gets bored by it. Uh, <laughs> Brian May has this whole thing where on his guitar there's six switches. One switch turns on one of his guitar pickups. And off, and the other one reverses the way it's wiring, so he can turn two pickups on, reverse the wiring of one, and then it like cuts out all the mid range and really emphasizes the low end and high end. And like I stole that from him for doing guitar harmonies because it sounds really unique and Brian May. And if you, I, don't, I like to think on everything, especially Ghostly Coast, but there's a lot of moments where I'm like trying to sound like Brian, <laughs> at least. Yeah my best interpretation of what Brian May would do. Because <laughs> goated, goated lead guitarist. But who better to choose? You know, he, he is an absolute wizard on his guitar and some of the ways that, like you say, he brought up different methods of using your guitar so that you weren't struck the same way. You know, if that's inspired you to add something in your music, then he'd done his job as a guitarist. You know, he's doing oh, yeah. amazing things. It's an unknown thing, but he's, he did so many firsts in the guitar world. Like, that guitar he built with his dad in, in, like, the late 60s, there's so many things with that guitar that no one else did for, like, 10, 20 years. I have a book dedicated purely to the building of it because I'm just... I'm a queen nerd, a full-on queen nerd. <laughs> and we can't miss them out. They're perfect, aren't they, when it just comes to that instantaneous need to just listen to rock. You know, you could put yeah. them on, and there's something there meaty for everybody to join in with. Oh god, yeah. And plus, they they can just be si- music can be silly, and you're you're allowed to be silly. And some of the stuff they do, very silly. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard the song uh, "Seaside Rendezvous" by them. Yeah. Yeah, that song. If you put that against like Hammer to Fall, you're just like, wait a sec, is this the, uh, is this really the same band? <laughs> I guess that's why we love prog so much. Is just the idea that. I know there's this whole like prog snobbery of oh so so uptight and serious. We we really want to like if we're gonna write a seven minute song, we're not gonna write it just because we want to write it because it feels right. And I think yeah. we just we want to have we like the freedom that comes with it. And we don't we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. Hopefully, our music, well at least the Ghost of Coast music video and our like vlogs and things show that we're not we don't take ourselves too seriously. You know we are we are goofballs or we try to be. Yeah. Um, we're just just a bunch of nerdy goofballs really. But um, I think it's just nice having that freedom of. Yeah, if we want to do a, a an acapella section, why not? Like we're not tied into a box with that. And we, I think we're definitely going to lean more into that with future releases too. Oh god, yeah, like pro- the, the the little Freddie Mercury vocal solo in Prophet song. Oh, something like that. I've been wanting to. He's going to gonna make me do that. One I want to do that one day. But right, <laughs> last thing about Queen, definitely a prog rock band. I won't. T- I won't take no for an answer on that. They oh. are. They are prog. They are definitely. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. I feel like we'll annoy some people. people but- 
don't <laughs> seem to like thinking of Queen as prog because of the whole stuff like, you know, uh, Radio Gaga and stuff like that. Mm. Like where oh, they you can be, be poppy and prog. Yeah, but yeah. people are. Oh no, you, they went poppy. No, you can do both. You can do both. This is good. Nothing's wrong with a good catchy repeated chorus. Nothing's wrong with a big, big long proggy solo. I like like both. I like my catchy choruses. I like my yeah. I like my three minute radio hits, but I also like my long dream theater songs. No, no rock band has like been everything. like super synthy <laughs> songs up until that point either. Yeah. So even I'd argue that's prog in and of itself. Is the whole point of prog progressive? We won't go on too much. Yeah, I, I can get started <laughs> off on that. That was, that was a bad idea for you to bring it up. <laughs> but it's great isn't it how people can bring all that through now and there's another space for a rock there's another place that you can add what taste you have yourself and yeah i know mm-hmm. you say oh it's a goofball stage but it's not we we all have our nerdy we all have our moments and it gives you somewhere to enjoy that you know and yeah. make you feel comfortable so it's it's never a negative it's definitely a positive if it's what keeps you comfortable well, we're coming to the bit now where we always ask our guests the same question, but we find it very important to our audience because it comes to a point where people need to sometimes think about where they're going in life and where they come from. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a perfect roundup. So it is, what advice would you give your younger self? Ooh. I think I would definitely try and get myself to not stress as much and just be like, just give yourself time because there's so many things that I, like with my voice or with promotion, with other things where I got really upset or worked up over and then it all worked, like it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, it all worked out. So I guess with the knowledge I have now, I'd say to my younger self, just give it time. You're doing great. Just just give yourself a break. Keep it up. Um, I'd also say stop being so nice which i know sounds controversial but uh, i'm definitely getting there but sometimes i can be a bit uh, i've been too nice in the past and let, let myself get walked all over and i'm definitely a lot more like no now like if i want to say no i'll say no and i think my younger younger teenage me definitely needed to assert boundaries a bit more tough harshly um that and i guess just take take all the opportunities that are thrown at you and I, I guess I did that anyway. So I don't know. I think I think I'm, one thing I'm very good at is I, whether I'm scared or not, I'll still say yes to things and do them. But I guess one thing I'd say to like, obviously when, I'm, when I teach my students that are younger, just like get yourself out there and network for sure. It's like networking is key in the music industry. Don't be scared. Just go talk to people. You know, that it's all about community and connecting. For me, it's a it's a thing where I think this is a thing that's very people talk about it a lot, but they don't rate it as highly as they should. Structure and routine mm. can like do so much for you on like so many levels. Like if you have a structured day, it makes practicing instruments easier. It makes planning yourself out easier. And also, if you're ever having a bit of a bad mental health period, sometimes having a structure and routine to rely on is so paramount and that's such big advice i'd give myself i've got as as a teenager the amount of times especially i'd just be like i'll just stay up to 4am and wake up for uni tomorrow and then nothing will be not bad about that no Mm. if you want to do something like that like wake up early and practice guitar 
or practice drums or something like that. So you tell a teenager you to sort your sleeping schedule. <laughs> yeah, like structure and routine is such an important thing. And people people will say they have a good structure or routine, and then there's always ways to improve it. Yeah, I'm big on I'm big on organization, and I like I like my lists, I like my diaries, I like my bullet journals, and I like I like making sure I'm organized. I mean, our managers always saying like, "Oh, Jay puts everything on a list or in a spreadsheet." I'm like, "Yeah, no." Um, but yeah, it helps me. It helps me. Yeah, that's definitely what I tell younger me. Just be more structured and organized. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only thing I'm really getting into now. Properly. I tell 24 year old you that. Yeah, I'm, still, I'm, I'm only still getting into it properly. But as I'm integrating it more, I'm like, this benefits so much. So much. It does, though, because like you were talking about before, it's about that life balance. You're getting time, like you say, to if you've had time tonight with me, you're going to go go and have time on Sunday now and spend time together. I dare say through the week you're going to be busy with more, you know, things that are going to take time from you, from your music, things that are more important that have to be up here, you know, and what pays the bills. But at the same time, you know, making that time for passion, but remembering where it come from in the beginning. Yeah. It's always nice to look back. Um, I've got to thank you today um, for coming. I'd like no, to thank you. It's been fun. Been great. Thanks for having it's us. Been lovely. I'd like to share out where we can find you on social media. Um, you've talked about merch today to me, and we'd love to know where to find that. You know where yep. where can we find you? So we are at the Neatas Band on pretty much everything social media wise. But the best way to find everything all in one place is our website, which is simple. It's a vinitasband.com. Our store is um, linked on the website too. We've just dropped a load of new different merch designs now that we're getting into our screen printing so we've got a, a few new goodies out there um including uh, most popular merch at the moment is we've got a t-shirt of the eventum artwork which is a particular favorite of mine too um but outside of merch our website has if you want to want to deep dive into our youtube channel we have plenty of vlogs documentaries everything so um we, we like to give our audience a true picture of what we're like and feel like they're part of the community and you know, they can you know Join in with us, um, so I highly recommend. Check out our website, vinitasband.com. Have a stalk, see what you find. It has all of our socials on it as well. Yeah, it has all our socials there too. So if you get lost, vinitasband.com, you can find everything through there. Your one-stop shop for all the things Vinitas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I can see myself. There's plenty of direction there to have a look and find everything from you. It's pretty easy. But no, your music's very fresh. It's very inspiring at this moment in time. Everybody that I've spoke to has enjoyed it. Um, thank you. For, yeah, you know, thank it's, you. It's really nice to catch up with people and see where their buds have begun and how it started. It's been great speaking to you today about all that, and you've given us a lot of insight to how to find some inspiration. And it's hard to find that when you're trying to set off in the beginning world, trying to get into rock, or if you've just mm-hmm. lost you know, your way and you're trying to get back on track. And you've given us a lot of insight to that today. So thank you for that. Okay, so you can find Nix's podcast, Aims for the Stars, on Spotify, Facebook, and you get plenty more information on the link tree. And thank you for listening to Nix's podcast tonight. And thank you for coming to see us, Bonitas. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. See you soon. See ya.